This is a prayer a collect for St. Basil. <clears throat> o God, who were pleased to give light to your church by the example and the teaching of the bishops, Saints Basil and Gregory, grant, we pray, that in humility we may learn your truth and practice it faithfully in charity. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Basil the Great of Caesarea, um, bishop in the church known as one of the Cappadocian fathers along with Gregory of Nyssa and Gregory of Nanzianza. That's a fun one to say, try and spell it, Nanzianza. And he was um, principally known for his life as a um, leader of monasticism and as a defender of the truth particularly against the heresy called Arianism. So I'm going to read you a couple of paragraphs about um, Basil and his life and then offer a couple of reflections and then move on to the scriptures for the day. So St. Basil was born about 330, the oldest of four sons. Three of his brothers became bishops, one of whom was Gregory of Nyssa. <clears throat> his pious grandmother, Macrina, exercised a great influence upon his religious education. He speaks of her. Never shall I forget the deep impression that the words and example of this venerable woman made upon my soul. Between St. Basil and St. Gregory of Nazianzen, an intimate friendship existed from youth to old age. Of Western monasticism, Benedict was the father and founder. Of Eastern monasticism, it is St. Basil. As a bishop, Basil was a courageous and heroic champion of the Catholic faith against the Arian heresy. And in 372, Emperor Valens sent Modestus, the prefect, to Cappadocia to introduce Arianism as the state religion. Modestus approached the holy bishop, upbraided him for his teaching, and threatened despoliation, exile, and martyrdom, and death to him. To these words of the Byzantine despot, Basil replied with the peace of divine faith. Is that all? Nothing of what you mentioned touches me. We possess nothing. We can be robbed of nothing. Exile will be impossible since everywhere on earth, on God's earth, I am at home. Torments cannot afflict me for I have no body. And death is welcome for it will bring me more quickly to God. To a great extent, I'm already dead. For a long time, I have been hastening to the grave. Astonished, the prefect remarked, Till today, no one has spoken to me so courageously. Perhaps, rejoined Basil, you have never met a bishop. There you go. The good old days of bishops. Um, Basil was a strong character, as we just heard, and a burning lamp during his time. But the fire from his lamp illuminated and warmed the world. It also consumed itself... As the saint's spiritual stature grew, his body wasted away, and at the early age of 49, his appearance was that of a very old man. In every phase of ecclesiastical activity, he showed superior talent and zeal. He was a great theologian, a powerful preacher, a gifted writer, the author of two rules for monastic life, the reformer of the or a reformer of the Oriental liturgy. He died in 379, hardly 49 years of age, yet so emaciated that only skin and bones remained as though he had stayed alive in soul alone.
So as I reflect on him, um, the most influential thing I would say that um, he had in, in my life, in my the reason I would like to remember him and celebrate him is for his work in writing in a book called On the Holy Spirit. And it was a treatise that really proved the divinity of the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity. And he, um, he writes this of the Holy Spirit. He says, uh, speaking especially of Jewish converts to, to the tradition um, of Christian faith, he says, lamps are useless when the sun is shining. And so his, his analogy there is that um, the Jewish faith and the Jewish tradition was a lamp to keep everybody close and on the path. But when Jesus was revealed and the Holy Spirit was given to the whole world, the full sun, the full light of God has been brought into the world. And we have no need of those traditions. And so I think that transitions really well into our reading from 2 Corinthians today. Um, Paul writes, For we know that if this earthly tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's effectively what Basil said when he was threatened with martyrdom. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, that is, further clothed in the glory of God, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life, the eternal life in Jesus. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. So we are of good courage, and we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. I often think about how <clears throat> as we grow in holiness in this process that we know as sanctification, our outer body does indeed waste away. But more and more of Jesus and more and more of his stature and his righteousness and his holiness shines through as our physical body falls away. And so um, when I think about that and I think about Basil at 49 years old, um, barely skin and bones, but full of the fire and the light and the conviction of exactly who Jesus is and who, holy, who the Holy Spirit is and their power to transform the world. He was a light and a, and a life and a light that we should all seek to imitate and to honor because everything he did was to the glory of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.